This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, as we are recording this podcast, Joe Biden is in Belfast. He has been talking to the British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and later today he will come south for the main purpose of his visit, which it appears to be to revisit his uh, relatives in Mayo and Louth and to express, uh, as he often has, his love for Ireland. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome Eamon McCann to the stand. Eamon was on a radio program on Today FM called The Last Word With Me on the night the Good Friday Agreement was signed 25 years ago yesterday. There was euphoria around the country and indeed all over the world about this agreement, which we hoped would end the bloodshed and lead to unity. The one good thing that's happened is many lives have been saved, but the country is no more united now, perhaps, than it was before that agreement was signed. And I was uh, asking Eamon, amidst all this euphoria, what he thought, and he thought it wouldn't make much difference, the saving of lives apart. Eamon, thank you very much for joining us on what many people regard rightly as a historic marking of uh, 25 years of fewer deaths, mm. some peace, of course, but no real progress in, in many ways. Uh, can I ask you, first of all, Eamon, uh, I should mention uh, your book, War in an Irish Town, which is a brilliant, really brilliant piece of work about Derry. You've spent much of your journalistic life campaigning for justice for the families uh, bereaved on Bloody Sunday, a successful outcome when the Savile Tribunal was announced. And of course, you were celebrated for that and many other things, your constant belief in telling it as it is. Can I ask you about this visit of Joe Biden's? Clearly, Rishi Sunak has not been able to persuade the DUP and Jeffrey Donaldson to go back into the assembly. Therefore, the, the speech Biden was supposed to make to the assembly can't be made. And his visit today 
there'll be a speech at lunchtime, but Rishi Sunak has been really pushed onto the sidelines. What are we celebrating, Eamon? Well, I, well, I, I think there is something to celebrate, to be uh, generous and fair. To be yes. fair about it, there is something to celebrate about the 25th anniversary of a, a Good Friday Agreement, uh, in that, without the slightest doubt, it has saved lives. Uh, when you think sort of, of yes. the volume sort of, of killing sort of, all around us at that time, any diminution in the uh, uh, kill rate uh, was greatly to be welcomed. So to that extent, I think I will be unstinting in my welcome for the Good Friday Agreement, and I think it's probably right that 25 years should be marked. Like, on the other hand, I do believe that, the, as you called it, the euphoria which surrounded uh, the signing of the Good Friday Agreement has proved to be sort of, misplaced. Uh, I said, sort of, uh, you didn't require any great insight uh, on my part uh, at the time of the signing of the Good Friday Agreement to offer the opinion that uh, this agreement is pre-programmed to deadlock, just yes. to quote my phrase uh, from that time. Uh, I've been wrong about loads of things over the years, but I think I was right about that, and it was right to question that the uncritical uh, a praise which has been poured on, not just on the agreement, but on all the individuals involved in shaping the agreement. We've seen that over this last few days. Yes. We're seeing it as the anniversary uh, uh, a, a celebrations go on and on. That uh, Everybody, I, there's not a number, I don't know how many secret peacemakers have emerged <laughs> over <laughs> recent years. This was the key person. One of them, uh, been my very good friend Brandon Duddy, uh, he sadly died uh, about 18 months ago. Which, uh, uh, he was a, now, he was a peacemaker, and so were many other uh, uh, people. Let's say there's some program about Father Reed from Belfast. He was yes. the main man. Then there are sort of undercover agents who were the main persons, MI6 go betweens, yes. and all the rest of it. But they, 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 the fact is that they produced an agreement in the end which uh, involved allocating every citizen of Northern Ireland to either the Green or the Orange camp. I think yes. here's a mechanism, the uh, new mechanism, uh, to make sure sort of that uh, these two communities, thus identified, live sort of, if not in harmony with one another, at least sort of in some sort of grudging acceptance of one another, but without violence. This will be peaceful competition, political competition between, as we say, the two communities. Yes. And my argument all along, and it is still my argument, is that when you have people formally divided uh, a, a, like this, it's always, there's always a potential for abrasion of the interfaces to spark into a new configuration. Yes, and you said on that day that what would happen would be people would move to the extremes. Republicans would become more Republican, Unionists more Unionist, and the, the middle ground, which was then occupied mm. by the SDLP and the Ulster Unionist Party, yeah. would be obliterated. You did say that, and it did happen. Oh, yes, that happened, and that's it. You know, and it, 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 I know this might sound like a twisted, self-regarding thing. You didn't have to be very bright to work that out. If the system is designed to produce a champion yes. for one community and a champion for the other community so that they can communicate together, then so it makes absolute sense for people to say, well, we will vote for the most strident 
and uh, represent it on our side. Yes. And the other side will do the same and get the strongest, the most strident, the most unyielding representative of their side. And as you say, thus, uh, the SDLP is eclipsed by Sinn Féin, the Ulster Unionists, uh, have been eclipsed by the DUP. Think back 25 years ago. Who were the main people representing nationalism and unionism? They were uh, John Hume on one side yes. and David Trumbull on the other. Both, both are now sideline figures, and John was both of them before their deaths. Yes. Uh, because Sinn Féin had been the biggest Green Party, and the, the DUP had become sort of the biggest uh, Orange Party. All that, all that, it seems to me, was perfectly foreseeable, but uh, it was allowed to go ahead because uh, a... I think the people who drafted the agreement or the political forces behind the agreement wanted two separate communities. They didn't want any other dimension of society involved sort of, in settling Northern Ireland. I think that was a mistake, but, you know, sort of we've had 25 years to contemplate it, and uh, I think it had been vindicated. You, you <laughs> have somewhat, indeed. Somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. I mean, I wouldn't exaggerate that I got loads of things wrong, as we all do. Let me ask you, Eamon, about the stuff in... Northern Ireland, in Derry, actually, yeah. uh, at the weekend. I mean, I don't want to over-egg the pudding. It wasn't violence on the scale that we observed it uh, before this agreement was signed. But there were representatives of what's called the new IRA. They did throw petrol bombs. Mm. They did march down the street. Yeah. They did cause some ructions. And what does that tell us, if anything? Well, uh, it tells us, or it's important to understand, there is an ideology behind what the dissident yeah. Republicans, as they're styled, I mean, do, do. They do have ideas in their hands. The notion, which was over and over again after the riots and the boring and the cracking, uh, a, 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 this week, it is sort of that they're just sort of mad uh, extremists out to destroy everything. There may be some of them like that. That may be a factor. Uh, in it and very deprived area that is it the hell yes. with it you know let's attack things but there's more to it you have to remember that the core at the core of republican ideology is the notion that they are defending the republic yes uh, that is the republic established in 1916 they say has never been democratically overthrown as far as they're concerned and they still have allegiance to that republic now and that makes the ira all versions of it Somewhat different from other national liberation movements, if we can use a broad phrase yes. uh, like that. Because the Irish Republicans are not seeking to achieve a republic. They're seeking to defend the republic. Yes. That's different to uh, anti-colonial struggles uh, uh, elsewhere. In the uh, ANC, weren't saying in South Africa, our non-anti-apartheid you know, sort of anti -apartheid state has been established and we are defending it. See, if you're defending something, big banner, big sign on the cable wall and the Protestant fountain area uh, of Derry, uh, it says West Bank loyalists still under siege. Now, if you're under siege, if you're within sort of something like the siege of Derry, you can't afford to lose once. Right. If the, if the besiegers uh, come up and are repelled once, twice, three, four times, they can come again. If you're besieged, you can't afford to lose uh, uh, even once uh, because uh, a, a, there'd be no comeback for you. The, the, the redoubt that you were holding is gone. Now, loyalists are very, very aware of that. They will tell you, we can't afford 
uh, uh, any chink in her armor at all. Not all of them, not all of them. But that's the key, I think. Yes. The unionist intransigence and why you have what to outside, the, to outside i.e. sort of appears to be just the stupid maneuverings of the unionist party. The fact that they're totally incompetent and everything they do makes it more plausible to suggest sort of that, that the whole thing is ridiculous. But there's a core belief there uh, yes. among the unions and a core belief uh, a, a within uh, dissident Republicans, and we should keep that in mind. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now... Jeffrey Donaldson and the DUP are refusing to work mm. the assembly. How damaging is that, Eamon, for the people living in Northern Ireland if there is no assembly and no legislation, no laws passed, mm. no reform and things that need to be done? Uh, and for one reason or another, it was cash for ash when the Sinn Féin crowd uh, walked out uh, and left the DUP there. And now with the DUP, I can't remember what it is, but it's something. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> Boris Johnson's. Uh, there, you have, there you have one of the keys to understanding all this. Uh, the DUP are, won't go in for some reason that people scratch their heads and say, it's like, what is it? What is it exactly? Well, do you know, by the way? Well, you do. You live there. <laughs> so it tells you something. Uh, I... Uh, uh, about it all. That the, way, the, the, the unionism has never had in its existence to sort of maneuver and adapt, sort of, and operate in the sort of normal political ways that the parties and all sorts of divided and semi-divided societies do. 
you know, it's, uh, I, as I say, they think we're under siege, we can't afford to lose, so we are not giving an inch. I mean, that's their phrase, isn't it? Not it's, an inch. It's, you know, the, it's, uh, the, it's the protocol, I've just remembered. It's the Northern Ireland Protocol, and, this, <laughs> and uh, yes. the Windsor document. Yeah, there's been a whole, over the last 25 years, as you remember, there's been all sorts of negotiations. Who, you know, who now remembers? What, what, I can't remember them myself. I can't remember <laughs> some of them. But there's been, there's a meeting at Sunningdale, which sort of eased, yes. uh, uh, sort of some of the, uh, uh, there have been various interventions from, uh, of it from the European Union and America and all the rest of it, and a uh, flurry of excitement. This could be it, this could be it. Oh, the protocol, that's it. I mean, and remember that the European Union, uh, he said, this is it, there's going to be no changes, we've negotiated this uh, agreement uh, for this protocol, and it's going to be implemented. That lasted about a year. Then they said, well, okay, you know, we'll uh, negotiate a bit more. And uh, they came up with the Windsor Framework. Yes. You know, so, I mean, I'm old enough to remember the Constitutional <laughs> Convention. Yes. Is there anybody listening who can remember the Northern Ireland Constitutional Convention? I bet, I bet you don't. I bet I don't. <laughs> nobody listening to it does. I only remember because I've got an eccentric mind that had grips onto these things. But it was a big, big deal in its day. A big deal in its day. As big a deal as the winter framework is uh, today. So let's, you know, it's a, 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 a grudging peace, an unstable peace is better than war. No yes. question about that. At the same time, it is grudging and it is unstable and everybody should be aware of that too. And the one thing that you've always argued for and believed in, and you've lived your life according to your beliefs, unlike, which makes you extremely rare, is that people should vote for things they believe in, uh, the politics they believe in, and not be driven by the religion they subscribe to. And therefore, it's in the interest of, say, the working-class people in the North, as much as it is working-class people down here, that you vote along policy lines rather than along yeah. religious lines. And yeah. really, is not the trap, one of the traps, that has not been successfully managed by the Good Friday Agreement. In other words, people are still living in their ghettos. They're still clinging to that thing you talked about. Uh, and there is no progressive politics that would address economic issues, justice, housing, health, and all of these things. Well, that's absolutely true, you know, and uh, by all these sort of indices of uh, a poverty and deprivation, Northern Ireland is the most deprived area of the United Kingdom. Now, yes. That's true of peripheral, peripheral regions uh, uh, everywhere. But, I mean, we're stuck in that, uh, uh, in, in that situation. But it's not without hope. There is resistance all the time. I mean, my greatest hope for the future lies sort of in women, and particularly the young women. Of Ireland, if somebody says to you, in the midst of all this and wrangling over protocols and frameworks and all the rest of it, where can we see masses of people coming together, linking arms for a common political purpose that has got nothing to do with whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant? It's not a mystery. We've seen it. We saw it sort of in the uh, uh, the referendum campaign. Yes sort of to remove the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution. We've seen it in the Equal Marriage Campaign. Yes. You know, so, and the, 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 the children 
uh, of some of the most prominent unionist leaders in the North were walking, had placards at Dublin Castle saying the North is next. Yes. The children of a first generation of some of the most prominent unionist leaders had no bother doing that and would say to you, as they did say to me and others, no, this doesn't affect our unionism. We're uh, able to do that. Now, isn't there a glimpse there? Isn't there a glimpse there? of a way forward, of a way out of all this. The same is true of, you know, sort of health service. I mean, there's look at the strikes in Britain and Northern Ireland hospitals and the rest of it are affected by the same. And you've got, who cares when you, you know, local government workers are out on strike on municipal workers and and uh, educationalists, uh, you know, university lecturers, doctors and so forth. And they're saying, it doesn't matter if you're a Catholic or a Protestant, and nurses and cleaners and all the rest of the necessary people sort of uh, in hospitals. And we see that. This is not a myth. It's not something that, you know, socialists or others or the dreamers sort of want to see uh, happening. People do come together. Over and over and over again they come together. It's just that they don't come together on the constitutional question. There's a question of priorities there. I mean, you have people have to make up their minds. Well, what do you think of these ways of proceeding? Sort of is actually going to heal sectarianism. I have no doubt in my mind that it's those things which uh, a, a, a economic issues and social issues and issues like sort of abortion, equal marriage, and so on. Those are the issues upon which people unite. So we should put those at the front of our politics, you know. And uh, and uh, that's difficult to do. I mean, it's easy for me to say in a phrase. But I do believe that therein lies the key to progress in the North and indeed on this island as a whole. Well, one sort of obstacle, and it's the principal obstacle, I think, is this much sought after United Ireland. That the Sinn Féin party in particular, both down here, well, they're the same, whatever side of the border they are, but that is their goal Above all others, is that achievable, Eamon? And, and is it, is it actually, for a functioning political party, is it a, a, a realistic goal? Well, I don't think in the short term, and by the short term, I mean sort of over the next uh, decade. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really speculate on what's going to happen uh, the, uh, uh, after that. But I can tell you what my expectations are. I wouldn't be dogmatic about it. I think that uh, there isn't going to be a British withdrawal, whatever that would mean these days, sort of under United Ireland. And anything like the time scale that Republicans and Nationalists and yes. others uh, seem uh, to imagine. I mean, we've had predictions all along with the United Ireland. I can remember, I'm old enough to remember, slogans on walls saying Ireland free in 73. Yes. You know, that was at the time of the great reaction to yes. somebody and the other and other British atrocities. And, you know, how long ago was that? That's more than that's what, half a set. That is exactly yeah. when I think about it now. That is 50 years ago, Ireland yes. free in 73. Yes. You know, that didn't come about. Then we have other predictions going on and on and on, sort of. Different people saying it'll happen in my lifetime. Now, the Sinn Féin uh, are, are saying it'll happen by uh, 2030. No, it won't. No, no, it won't. I don't believe there's any sign of a united Ireland in the sense in which, you know, that has traditionally been meant of a single state, you know, fulfilling the uh, ideals of uh, 1916 and the proclamation and so on. I don't believe that that's anywhere near. Has the danger of violence passed? I mean, uh, looking at the thing at the weekend, oh. it seemed, you know, in terms of what you've seen, and indeed what I've seen, but you've seen it close up 
uh, uh, and bloody. That was just uh, kids having a lark. Mm. Uh, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it had been widely predicted. There was a serious remark, serious being part of the political face of the real IRA. They're the people who uh, shot Liram Key. Yes. The, the, uh, I, the, up in the crag in the state. And incidentally, yes. that shooting took place exactly, exactly where the Syria march uh, took off from. It's rally, uh, rallying point. Right. So things haven't changed much in, uh, uh, in that way. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a it's just a, 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 a so I'm losing the run of myself and talking here because I keep thinking I said on this before. <laughs> I've been saying all these things for so long, sort of that you could wind me up and sit me down. Yes, is. but the point is, I'm, I'd make to you, Eamon, there was a poll taken uh, by Behaviour and Attitudes and published in the Sunday Times that you may or may not be aware of, but it was shockingly indicative of how little the younger generation know about mm-hmm. what happened in the time. So hearing you say it or give an opinion is actually different because you were there, you did it, and you did it in a big way as a journalist and indeed as a civil rights activist. But when the poll was published last Sunday week in the Sunday Times, they didn't really have a clue. Yes. <laughs> About, uh, about what happened. These are kids who were born yeah. after the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. Sort of in the, uh, you know, sort of the lack of knowledge, sort of, of what happened here and how uh, things developed and lack of real discussion of what it all means. And uh, I mean, the startling, I suppose it's because of my age, maybe your age as well. Well, sort of we're not the, for, there's not much between us, but the point is, <laughs> we, 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 in your case, you were there. You're working, you're one of the most respected journalists we've ever had in this country and listened to. I, the question I want to ask you is about the degree of uh, ignorance is probably an unfair word to use, but the degree of uh, lack of knowledge mm-hmm. of how things happened, who the main players were, how brutal. Um, I mean, for one example, a majority of the people in young people interviewed believed that the British Army had murdered most of the people. Yeah, now that is yeah. so wrong. I mean, yeah. it was paramilitaries, principally the Provisional IRA, but other paramilitaries as well, who did the most of the killing, and three thousand seven hundred people died. The British were responsible for only a small proportion mm-hmm. of that, but people think they were the most culpable. Yeah, well, of course, history is never sort of an accurate uh, account of what's actually happening on the ground. You're quite right. You know, uh, a, the organization, the, the provisional IRA killed more people in the course of the trouble than any other uh, uh, organization of any political stand. That's simply a, rec- uh, a, a, a recordable fact. Uh, 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 on the other hand, I mean, there is the appeal to communal. You see, if, if you're an NDI, where I am now, and I'm within you know, a couple of hundred yards of the site of Bloody Sunday uh, and all. That looms very large. The murals all over the place, yes. the memories of people, the memories of people. There's a, 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 a sort of story which is probably a caricature and untrue of a 10-year-old shouting at British uh, soldiers, I've waited 50 years for this as he threw a stone. <laughs> you know? At, yes. Uh, and it does come down. It does come down. Now, it, 
it, it's important to stress uh, uh, always, you know, that the vast majority of people want peace. Yes. People, you know, families, they do not want war. And they have to be forced into it if they're uh, uh, yes. ever going to uh, uh, accept war. But as long as we have this divided society with competition between the two communities, and look at the way it's measured at the moment. So it's not by extremists and so on, but by mainstream uh, commentators. We'll talk about whether the Ulster Unionist Party can pull a few votes back from the DUP or whether the SDLP is doomed and Sinn Féin is going to take uh, over all the votes. Those are the mainstream discussions sort of coming up uh, to elections, and it's just taken for granted that that's the way things are. There isn't any major force, political force in the North, directly head-on challenging that idea of society and uh, and and uh, how how it how it should develop, you know, it's a uh, uh, it's very depressing in one way. On another way, it's not depressing because there's not, there aren't people being killed outside my window here, you know, and uh, and I don't anticipate that coming back either. No, I should also point out that you were a member of the assembly and MLA for a year, I think. Yeah, uh, I want to just end, Eamon, by referencing your work that led to the creation of the Savile Tribunal, you know, it was outstanding and, and, and really, unlike most journalism, it actually changed something. Uh, it created an awareness in Britain in particular because you wrote for The Guardian, The Observer, all of these papers. Uh, the Savile Tribunal, did it bring a measure of justice to the people of Derry who had suffered through bereavement or in other ways on Bloody Sunday. Oh, yes. uh, yeah, I think I think there's no doubt. I mean, that the Savile Tribunal sort of uh, did bring a, a measure of uh, it doesn't matter whether you call it justice, but it's a, a sense out of that uh, we have been over the worst of it, and that people could, uh, you know, grieve for their loved ones in some sort of uh, quiet way, in some peaceful uh, sort of way. That's a fact and so forth. Uh, I've been critical. I'm critical of everything that happens, you know, because I look at it and probably with uh, a moroser, uh, a, a mordant view of seeing what the flaws in it yes. uh, uh, actually are. Like Savile, you know, was, <laughs> one of the, the main significance of the Savile Tribunal is that it happened. Yes. And it met for more than 10 years. Yes. A, 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 the Savile, which is an, an amazing thing, sort of. It's, uh, there were 404 days of yes. a, a evidence, oral evidence given to, Sa- a, a, to Savile. And you were there most moved. days. I was there. It must have been a dozen days, I suppose. But yeah. I was there when the tribunal moved to London. I went over to London and stayed and so on. I mean, I'm not, I'm not quite sure why I did all that. You know, but there wouldn't have been could... a Savile tribunal without your journalism. <laughs> Well, that's not a, 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 a stressing it a bit. But I think, you know, that it Savile cost 200 million quid was spent on Savile. And I think it, one, of the, it, it, one of the reasons for, A, for the existence, the appointment of the Savile Tribunal, and also for the length of time it took and the expense that was involved uh, in it, is that it, a bloody Sunday was unique in all the atrocities and appalling atrocities. More people killed in on Bloody Sunday yes. and a number of them. Dublin Monaghan bombs, yes. you know, the Oma bomb and so forth. More yes. people were killed 
and also in a bloody zombie. Bloody zombie is significant in history because it was done in broad daylight. Yes. That's what the significance. It wasn't a lonely and ambitional lonely road or a bomb planted to explode later sort of in the hind a chair in some pub and so on. This was done in the open by men uniformed to represent uh, a the British state. So, and because of that, because of that, uh, a the British government knew that was going to have to pay a price uh, for a, a for that. Some individual soldiers, of course, one or two of them, sort of uh, have paid a, yes. a price, but nobody who sparked bloody something, nobody who was in control of the Bloody Sunday soldiers. Nobody who made a decision in the weeks before Bloody Sunday, which uh, consciously contributed to uh, the atrocity in Russell Street, none of those people, none of those people have been pilloried. Some of them are still around. General Sir Michael Jackson, who stood uh, outside the Russell Street flats, a captain in the 1st Battalion of the Parachute uh, uh, Regiment, the man in command on the day of the soldiers who carried out Bloody Sunday, General Sir Michael Jackson is as free as a bird. You'll get him on television pontificating. He's a military expert. I've often seen him doing a bit of uh, pontificating on television. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. He's a, uh, he's a highly respected figure. £2,500 you'll pay to get General Sir Michael Jackson to come and talk to your organization. It's not, it's not a bad living at the no. end of a military career. Okay, Eamon, we're so grateful to you for joining us uh, today on the stand. I, I should say to our listeners, Eamon has been one of the greatest journalists and indeed writers. His book, War in an Irish Town, is truly, truly unbelievable uh, in terms of capturing the mood of Derry and the mood of its people. And Eamon has always represented that. He continues to have just one flaw. He supports Derry City. Uh, <laughs> and they're not doing bad at the moment, are they? Not being bad at all. Well, we've lost six points in the la- home points in the last uh, two matches to uh, to Drogheda, sort of, uh, uh, and then to Bowes on uh, Monday night. However, you know, we're Prince Lego next year, but we're about six, we're six points behind the top. But I'm pretty sure that we're going to win the league this year. <laughs> Eamon McCann, it's a pleasure. Talk to you always, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. I'm very pleased to talk to you anytime. Thanks. Thank you very much, Eamon. We're grateful to Eamon, to all of you for listening, and every word I said about Eamon would be echoed by anybody who ever worked with him or met him. A great man. Thanks for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.